Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to our latest sermon, a sermon about a psalm. It will play in just a minute. Before it does, I want to let you know that we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions about something in one of our sermons, maybe you want to talk more about how it impacted you, or perhaps you just need prayer, you can simply visit creekside.me and you'll find all of the links you need to reach out to us. In fact, if you are someone who consistently listens to our sermons, but we've never connected, I'd love for you to go to creekside.me right now and just contact us to say, hi, I listened to your sermons. We'd love to be able to say hi back. Again, thanks for listening to this sermon. I hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I'd like to read for you Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on his strength as a belt. Yes, the word is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up. O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their, vo- their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Let's pray. O Lord, we come to your house this evening to honor and acknowledge that you are God on high, and we ask that you would speak to us once again in this place that you would speak to our minds and to our hearts that we might know and see how great you are and rejoice that we may be your people. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. This, more, this uh, e- evening we are uh, looking at Psalm 93, and this is such a great psalm because it is uh, awe-inspiring, it is confidence-building, it is comforting, and it is concise. And so as you're thinking about if things don't quite go the way that you expect them to go, what do you do about that? So there are times in life where you find yourself in a situation where you say, this is not how I had planned this to go. This is not what I had expected. This is not what I had wanted. This is not at all what I would like to be having happen right now. And I know that many of you have been in that situation, and when you are in that situation, this is the kind of text that you want to go to, to Psalm 93. When you find yourself in a place that is not going well, when you find that things are turning south, you're kind of hoping, right, that somebody is going to step in. Somebody competent and capable is stepping in. So if you find yourself on a plane and all of a sudden you hear, uh, we have lost an engine, you are hoping that the pilot is competent and capable, right? If if you find yourself in a medical emergency, you are hoping that there is a doctor nearby who is competent and capable. And when you find yourself in life circumstances that are out of control, out of your control and spiraling downward, you are hoping that there is a God who is with you who is competent and capable. And when we look at Psalm 93, we see exactly that. Psalm 93, verse 1, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. 
The Lord is in charge. He is in the heavens, and it is his domain. Everything that he has created, that is everything, everything, everything is his domain. He is the king of all of it. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. Isn't it interesting? Do you think of God as wearing clothes most of the time? I mean, I I don't typically think of God as wearing clothes. I don't think of God in in that kind of form. I think of God as being in the heavens, and I I don't really have a a physical picture of him, right? But, But clothes are very important. The clothes that we wear say things about us. Right? And when you're talking about a, a king, perhaps, or um, a, a doctor, or a judge, or, or somebody, they, they, they might have uh, clothing that distinguishes them as being someone that's important. It distinguishes them, it sets them aside, and it says, this is who I am. In fact, we use clothing uh, as uniforms and, and as ways of distinguishing people. You have uh, scrubs for nurses and for surgeons. You have um, bi- suits for business people, that you have uh, like button-up shirts and jeans and things for, for uh, tradesmen. You've got different clothes say, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. This is how you should trust me to be able to do this thing, right? Our clothes communicate that. And so if you're going to think about God and you're going to think, what is God robed in? What clothes God? How would you describe that? How would you describe what clothes God? What kind of clothing does God wear? Well, this psalmist says two things. He says that uh, his clothing is majesty and strength. Majesty and strength. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. He is elevated, distinguished, exalted, set on high, The Lord is clothed with majesty. There's something about his raiments, the the, the things that he is wearing that just distinguish him, and you go, wow. Wow. How awesome is that God? How awesome is that? Have you ever seen somebody wearing clothes, and you just go, wow. They are really well-dressed. They look really sharp. Wow, look at how majestic they look. And when when we talk about or think about how is the Lord clothed, he is majestic. He is robed in majesty. In fact, he has also put on strength as his belt. Right? So he's wearing this big robe. We can picture God in heaven as wearing this big majestic robe, and his belt is strength. The thing that that holds that majesty in is his own strength, his power. And so when you're looking for somebody, when things are spiraling out of control, when things are not going the way that you would like them to go, and you're looking for hope, you're looking to a majestic God with all kinds of strength and power. These are the two attributes of God that the psalmist is wanting to focus on right now. We can trust in God, we can praise God and acknowledge God and and hope in Him because He is majestic and because He is powerful. He reigns from heaven. He is over everything. How do we know this? How do we know that God is majestic? How do we know that God is powerful? 
He goes on. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Have you ever been someplace old? Someplace like really old? Around here, we don't have places that are really old. Around here, we have things that are maybe 100 years old. I talk with my, my wife, and she says, I grew up in a house that was really old. It was built in 1917. That's not old. If you go over to the other coast of the United States, you'll find things that are old, hundreds of years old. And the people in Europe are going, come on. That's not old. A couple hundred years old, that's not very old. We have things here that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. I had the privilege several years ago to go and visit Israel, and the people there go, that is not old. As you walk through streets and see buildings and stones and things that have been there for over a thousand years, and there is something about the permanence of that that you say, wow, wow, people have been coming here, walking these streets for more than a thousand years. It is awe-inspiring to say these are the same streets, the same places that Jesus walked. There's some sort of, of uh, awe-inspiring nature about that permanence and something of, about it that in you just feel, makes you feel like I am a part of something that is bigger than me. There's a, a groundingness and a rootedness to that kind of history in a place like that, and even more so to the world itself. Because around here, though we don't have man-made things that are old, we do have things that are old. We have mountains that are old. They've been there for a long time. Have you ever hiked like Mount Hood or Mount St. Helens? And just stood and looked and gone, this has been here for a long, long time. Or gone and stood by the side of the ocean and just watched the waves roll in. And you look at the vastness, the vastness of the ocean or the vastness of plains or the greatness of canyons or the majesty of mountains. And you just stand and say, this is amazing. This is remarkable. Reading a book uh, right now called The Extended Mind by Annie Paul, and one of the things that she talks about is the importance of being out in nature because of its grounding effect for us. You see, even secular people recognize the importance of being out and seeing the natural world around us because it inspires awe inside us. It inspires creativity in us. It helps us to uh, feel humble and small in the midst of something vast and great. And it gives us a rootedness that gives us a, a place where we feel like, I am at peace here. I have calm here. In the midst of this vast expanse and in, in the midst of this permanence, I feel like all the little worries are less important here. 
I feel secure and rooted here in nature. And it's not just the secular people that say this. This is what Paul himself said in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, verse 19, it says, What can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. That is to say that God's fingerprints are on his very creation. That in his creation, when you see how awesome these mountains are, when you see how great these canyons are, when you see how vast the plains and the oceans are, and you see how magnificent this whole creation is just here on the earth, and then you look starward and say, my God, you have made all of this. If God has created all of this, how awesome is our God? How powerful, how majestic, how strong must our God be to have made all of this? And when we find ourselves inside in our bedroom or in our living rooms or something in a, in closed like this, even here in this room, this is what we see is these walls and these man-made things around us. But when we go out and we see the world that God has created, we are suddenly without excuse for denying the existence of God because of how incredible it all is. And some of the things that we can know about God and his invisible attributes, those things about God that we can't see, the things that we have to make up, uh, words for and say he is robed in majesty and strength, we can see that clearly in his creation, in his world that he has made. He says, yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting because back in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, God existed even then and before. There has never been a time at which God did not exist. Even the very, very old things that we see, the very old buildings or stones or roads, the very old mountains, all of those things had a beginning that you can trace way, way back. And we can debate how far back you have to go to get to that beginning, but we don't deny that there was a beginning. And at that point, there was God. At that point, there was God creating, speaking into existence. That's what we were saying, right? Even in the songs that we were singing, we were singing about that. God speaking into existence billions of stars. God was there. His throne, the place from which he reigns, was established of old. A long, long time ago. There is a certainty about the permanence of God and his status as king over his creation. 
when you have leaders of organizations coming in and out, then you can get sort of this whipsaw effect, right? Well, one leader came in and he said we should do it this way, and then the next leader came in and he said we should do it that way, and then the next leader came in and we, well, and we kind of find ourselves going, I don't really know what to expect. With God, we don't have that issue. God has been reigning from before the foundation of the world and will continue to reign far after it ends. And because of God's permanence in that place, we have great confidence in Him. We know exactly what to expect from Him because He is God. Your throne is established of of old. You are from everlasting. This great, majestic, and powerful God reigns from the heavens, and nothing will thwart that. Nothing will thwart his purposes. Nothing will stop him. Nothing can resist him. That doesn't mean they don't try. Verse 3. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. I feel like this was the point of the psalmist. This was the point of his writing. He started with that other stuff, building confidence in us and building confidence in himself as he was penning these words so that they might be sung. But the reason, the motivation that he wrote those first two verses was because of this. There is some sort of chaotic event in his life, something that is going on for him that he's going, whoa, hold up, this isn't the way that it should be. Hang on. There's a little bit of chaos, a little bit of turmoil going on here. I feel like things are spiraling spiraling out of control. What am I going to do? He says, the floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice The floods lift up their roaring. Three times he says it. The floods have lifted up. The floods have lifted up. The floods have lifted up. It's getting louder and louder and louder. You stood by the ocean and watched the waves roll in. Maybe you built a sand castle or something there in the sand and you watched the waves roll in. And when you're younger, you look at the, you didn't expect the tide to come, right? The tide is way out, and I'm building my sandcastle here. And I wasn't expecting the waves to come all the way up there because they're all the way down there. But a couple of hours later, as I built my sandcastle and I see the waves getting closer and closer, I'm going, uh oh, hold up, stop, stop, right? Don't, don't come here, don't, don't wash over my sandcastle. And so you try and push the sea back. Maybe you try and build a little sand wall to protect your sandcastle. And those of us who have had some experiences with the sea, we know it's a futile endeavor. There is nothing that we are going to be able to do to resist the waves of the sea. When the floods come, it is going to be irresistible. There's nothing we can do to stop that. And there are some of you who are now dealing with that kind of turmoil in your life that you feel like this is an irresistible flood that is coming into my life right now. I'm finding a place right now, a challenges in my life right now with these waves that are coming in and there is nothing I can do about it. They are an irresistible, destructive, chaotic force in my life. 
And that's what the psalmist is dealing with. An irresistible, chaotic, destructive force in his life. So he cries out, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. You've been around for a long time, Lord. Your, your throne is on high. You reign from on high permanently. But we've got floods now. And they're lifting up their voices. You see, there are uh, rebellious, sinful people rebellious spiritual beings that cause chaos and destruction. They are rejecting the rule of God. Like toddlers who stomp their foot and put their hands on their hips, you can't tell me what to do. You can't make me. That is what they are doing to God. You can't tell me what to do, God. You can't make me do it. I do not want to submit to you. I do not want you to be my king. I do not want you to tell me what to do. I do not want you controlling my life. And these sinful, rebellious creatures are throwing their tantrums, shaking their fists at God, saying, I don't want what you offer, God. Get out of my life. I want it my way. I want to do the things that make me happy. I want things to go my way according to my purposes and for my benefit. And I don't want you, so get out, God. And when we find people and beings that are doing that, they cause destruction and chaos around them. And some of them are very powerful. Some of them are very powerful in our lives. They are powerful forces in our lives trying to cause chaos and destruction and thwart God's plans. But the Lord is not hindered by them. The Lord is not stopped. His purposes are not put on pause or on hold. He doesn't find himself going, oh no, what are we going to do? There's somebody rebelling against my orders. The Lord reigns on high, and nothing is going to be able to stop that. No amount of temper tantrum throwing is going to stop God and his purposes. Because, verse 4, mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. The Lord on high is mighty. The Lord has reigned forever from on high. He created the world and everything in it. And when the waves come in crashing and we say, God, they are an irresistible force, God has said, I have said they will not pass this point. The waves will come in, but they will not pass here. And they will not pass here because I am God. Yes, there are destructive forces. Yes, there are rebellious beings. But no, they cannot thwart God's purposes and God's plans. And so for me, I find this psalm to be very comforting. 
Because when I am in a place of trouble, I want a text like this that I can go to and hang on to where somebody else was crying out to the Lord on my behalf, I feel, and saying, oh Lord, the floods are coming, the floods are rising, and it's getting louder and louder. The tumult is getting louder and growing. And I want you to know, Lord, that this is happening. And then to remind me that mightier than the many waters and mightier than the thunder of those waters is the Lord on high. He is great and powerful. His belt is strength. In fact, we are reminded of this again in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has demonstrated to us His great love for us. That while we were those rebellious sinners, those ones that are putting our hands on our hips and stomping our feet and saying, God, I want nothing to do with you. Even when we were in that sinful state, God said, you need my love. You need my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness. You need to be restored to righteousness and reconciliation with me. And the only way that this is going to be possible is if someone dies on your behalf. And so I volunteer myself to do that. And so Jesus Christ came, God in flesh, to die in our place so that we might be forgiven. And if God would send His Son, Jesus, to do that on our behalf, then there is nothing in all the world, in all of creation, that can separate us from that kind of love of that God who is great and powerful on high. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Listen to this list of things What about tribulation? What about the things causing me distress? What if I'm persecuted? What if there's famine? What if I'm without clothing? What if there is danger to me? Or sword? Or war? What if I feel like it's written in the Scriptures, like I am being killed all day long? Even then, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is offered to you in Christ Jesus. And so we finish this Psalm 93 with this verse 5. Your decrees 
are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. All of those covenant promises, God, that you have made, I can trust in completely. Though I find myself in the midst of the flood, though I find myself in the midst of chaos and turmoil and destructive forces, though I find myself in the midst of that, yet I can trust you and your promises completely. And so when God says, I will be your God and you will be my people, I believe that can be true. He has offered Jesus to us and to anyone who believes that Jesus is their Savior, you are forgiven of your sins and brought into relationship with God. And now nothing can separate you. So he says, your decrees are trustworthy and holiness befits your house, O Lord, forever. That God who existed before the beginning and will exist after the end, he is the one who makes these promises to us and says, come to me, you who are weary. Come to me, you who are broken. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And so we praise him and acknowledge that he is special. And above all else, he is holy, set apart from all of creation. And we give him our praise. And so I find myself in times of trouble looking to texts like these because they inspire us with the awesomeness of God. They fill us with confidence and comfort. And it does it in like five verses. So let's praise him. Father, we thank you We thank you that you, God of creation who existed before time began and will exist forevermore, will not be stopped or thwarted in your purposes. That nothing, no matter how great or how mighty or how powerful, will stop you from loving your people, from saving them, from protecting them. And so, Lord, we praise you for this. And Father, I ask for those who are here today who feel like they are in the midst of that kind of turmoil, that you would remind them of your presence, that you would show yourself to be robed in majesty, clothed with strength, that they might have great confidence in you today and tomorrow and forevermore. And it is in the confidence of Jesus that we pray. Amen.